The text that this sermon is based off of is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The day of the Lord. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not children of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and from his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, usually... The problems of the people in the Bible, they're usually pretty similar to the problems that we face today. You know, so fear, anger, jealousy, right? These are all things that we're fighting against. We're all struggling with each day. And grace, mercy, peace, they're all things that we're striving to promote as Christian people. But sometimes the problems of the people in the Bible are pretty unique, pretty, I don't know, removed from our problems today, or so we think. Well, the big issue in this first letter to Thessalonica that we read today, it's seemingly everyone, or that church's biggest fear. That's what they're struggling with. And the fear is not the fear of death which is usually the one that people are most afraid of. And no, it's not public speaking, as Jerry Seinfeld often jokes in his stand-up. It's not even the fear of government corruption, which I guess in 2015 they actually cataloged America's greatest fears, and that was number one, government corruption. Instead, it's the fear of missing out. Thessalonica. And the the fear of missing out isn't the one that we hear about today with Facebook, where you're scrolling through Facebook and you see your friends and your family doing really cool stuff, and it seems like they're living this awesome life, yet, I don't know, I thought we were supposed to be on lockdown or something, or you're scrolling through Facebook and you see your grandkids doing something really cute, and you say, man, I wish I was there and saw that. No, this is not the same fear of missing out. They were afraid of the most important missing out that could happen. It's actually quite a strange fear if you sit down and think about it. It's not what we're afraid of anymore. They were afraid for their loved ones who had died 
which they called falling asleep back then. They were afraid for those that they loved who had fallen asleep or died before Jesus came back. What was going to happen to them? It looked like the Apostle Paul was getting lots of fan mail or ask the pastor, you know, letters about this specific problem. People needed to know what was going to happen when that day of judgment came and their loved ones were no longer with us. Now, remember the day of the Lord, the day of judgment was something that a lot of those Israelites, Jews, Second Temple Jews had grown up fearing. There's going to be fire, you know, brimstone, the classic cartoon depiction of hell, the the smoke, the clouds, the earthquakes, judgment by God himself. Remember, he's going to come down himself and judge the sheep from the goats in Ezekiel. Paul has to be very short, very clear in his message. He says, you know better. He actually just reframes the whole problem He says, you know that only the Father knows the day and the hour. But we do know that it will come like a thief in the night. So therefore, we need to stay awake. We need to keep watch. We need to walk as children of the light, as people who have nothing to do with darkness. So let's not worry about other people. Let's make sure you don't fall asleep. Does anyone here insist on watching movies or TV with the light on? This might sound strange, but I, I've encountered it in strange different uh, points in my life. My, my grandma, she always insisted when she'd babysit us that we keep the light on when we watched Wheel of Fortune because... If we turned the light off, she would fall asleep and miss the puzzle. And she did not like that. Or when I was first dating my now wife, Brigida, thank you so much for playing the piano for us. Uh, I wanted to show her the movie Star Wars. I wanted to see her reaction. She had never seen it before when, spoiler alert, it turns out Darth Vader is actually the father of the main character, Luke Skywalker. But when we got to that point, I looked over and she had fallen asleep because I had the lights off. (sighs) I guess this is what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the Thessalonians. Yeah, so some of you have actually fallen asleep. You've died waiting for Jesus. But some of you have fallen asleep, but you're still alive. You might be spiritually dead in the way that you're living your life. They were sleepy, dozing off on their watch, and Jesus was coming back. And this is where we start to realize maybe those problems of the people in the Bible, they actually aren't too far off from our lives today. I mean, we live in a world of perpetual night. Darkness, evil, it just seems to constantly be washing, washing over us and eroding at our very being. Someone's always doing something weird in political office. The movies and TV that we watch, they point us to negative, often um, meaningless or just pleasure-seeking 
answers to life's questions. And there's this, you know, this mystery sci-fi virus, coronavirus, and we don't know much about it, how it's transmitted, what's going to happen, what happens when you get it. Our friends, our family often catch it, and we don't know what's going to happen next. Chaos. What this reminds me of is a friend from college. I remember him sitting down with me at lunch one day in the cafeteria, and he said, you know, uh, Dan, all of my favorite things in life, they happen at night. And uh, all the things I don't like to do, they happen during the day. You know, like going to work, going to class, doing my homework, that all happens during the day. I like watching movies. I like browsing the internet. I like, you know, partying. And that happens at night. So what did he do? Well, let me tell you, he didn't find a good work-life balance, no. Instead, he actually bought off Amazon these blackout curtains and put them over his windows in the dorm. So it was perpetual night in his dorm room. And he laid in his bed all day. He browsed his phone. He watched movies. Who knows? Let me tell you. He slipped into a depression that I would have to pull him out of so that he wouldn't drop out of school. It was not a good time. Paul says people sleep at night. He says people get drunk at night. So let's live like we live in the daylight and be sober. Now, when he says sober, I'm sure you know he doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be a teetotaler. Stop drinking altogether. What he's talking about here is being intentional in your life, about being wakeful, not falling asleep, right? The Thessalonians were so afraid of their loved ones who had died that had fallen asleep waiting for the Lord that they also were fearing this day of judgment, this day of clouds, darkness, earthquakes, and the rest. But Paul gives them, gives us sweet, sweet gospel. He says, God did not appoint us to be punished by his anger, but to be saved by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that awake or asleep, we may live with him. Whether you've died in the faith, whether you're still alive in the faith, Jesus died on the cross for you. Whether you're blameless in your daily actions or you keep messing up and you, you're sorry, Jesus died on the cross for you. And he did this because he loves you and he wants to spare you that day of judgment by taking it on himself. But what was Paul's problem, the problem that stuck with them? That people who were alive were not living as though they were awake. Their problems weren't too different from our own, once again. But Jesus has died on the cross even still for us. He has risen and given us new life, his life, apart from what we've done But does that mean that we're through? Does that mean that we can just, I don't know, tune out, fall asleep, doze off? Of course not. Paul continues, encourage one another, strengthen one another, build one another up, forgive one another, reconcile with one another, give each other advice. 
Love one another as Jesus Christ loved you unconditionally. Rip those blackout curtains away from the windows for your family members and loved ones. Point them to Christ. Let the sun shine in. Let the light of the sun reveal that thief in the night that's been living in that room with them the whole time that they couldn't see the evil one. Banish him from your homes. Jesus won't let you stay in the dark because you are children of the light. And there's this breastplate of faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection and his unconditional love that we choose to put on each day when we remember our baptisms. Every time we help our neighbor, but there's nothing in it for us. That's something that you're choosing to do to be motivated by Christ's unconditional love for you. And there's that helmet of hope that they talked about putting on. The hope of your salvation. It's what's guarding you against the despair in these trying, chaotic times. So let your light shine before others so that they can see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. No one notices if you're in the dark with them. No one says anything when the mob of people is doing something wrong. But this wrench is thrown into that whole system when one Christian, one person like you says, wait, wait, wait. Let's stop. Let's think about this. All of a sudden, those blackout curtains are ripped off the windows. The one lamp turns on in the darkness. One match is struck. One candle's lit. Remember that one day when Jesus hung crucified on the cross. No one could look away because of their shame. But now he stands resurrected. He's living. He's healing loving, forgiving at the right hand of the Father. And when he returns, his light will break into this world and every knee shall bow because he's the light that no curtain can block. He's the light of the world that tore the temple curtain in two. And now we live as witnesses of Christ in how we treat one another, in how we walk as children of the light. We stand ready for anything that the world might throw at us co-heirs of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the light of lights. And that day of darkness, the day of judgment, is no longer something we need to fear because Jesus Christ suffered that judgment for us. And now we live his life in us for him, the defender, our guide, our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, may the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in his Son, Christ Jesus. Amen.